Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Can we give God praise for the work of his spirit? Well, good morning, church. You doing well? Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're so glad and delighted that you're with us. And uh, just want to tell you, if you are a first-time guest, just that we extend just such a great welcome. And uh, we want to say to you, welcome home. And uh, I pray that when you came onto our campus that you felt an overwhelming sense of home. And uh, I want you, if you got your Bible, to go with me to John chapter 11 this morning. If you came in and did not receive a message card, you can raise your hand. Uh, this is also on version. if those who have smartphones. Uh, if you want to follow along there as well, John chapter 11 will be our text today. And um, I'm so excited about what God is going to speak to our hearts and lives. Yeah, you can just raise your hand and uh, somebody will certainly serve you there in the back. Uh, we had an amazing, amazing time in this room on Friday evening. How many of you are part of our Good Friday gathering? Just let me hear from you. Powerful, powerful time. And um, one thing I was mentioned to one individual there, you know, it wasn't two. We often hear that at Golgotha there were two thieves. It wasn't two thieves. There were three thieves who died on Calvary because the one in the middle also took something that didn't belong to him, and that was my sin, and that was your sin, and he died in my place, and he died in your place, and yet on the third day, he rose again, right? God vindicated the son by raising him from the dead, and as we approach John chapter 11 today, we're going to begin reading in verse 17 in just a few moments. I want to set up the story for you and tell, what's, tell you what's happening. This this is Jesus' earthly ministry. It has been going on for some time now, some two and a half years. And Jesus has surrounded himself with 12 Jewish boys, his entourage, his group, his crew called the disciples. They followed Jesus for now two and a half years of their life. And alongside of them, Jesus has built a, a, a relationship with a really close family. In fact, you could say it's no exaggeration to say that this family was his best friend outside of his own familial family, that is, his own brothers and his, his mother and Joseph. This is the family Jesus hung out with more than any other family. It consists of two sisters and one brother. The oldest was no doubt Martha. We're going to get to see her personality in a minute. Then you had Mary, the middle sister, and then the young darling of the family who was named Lazarus. And Often Jesus would go to Bethany, if you've been to Jerusalem before, Jerusalem, you go over the Mount of Olives and Bethany is nestled right there on the backside. And Bethany was a place Jesus would often go check on his family, his friends. No doubt when we get into the passage today, something tragic has happened. The younger brother has died at a young age. Now, being in pastoral ministry, there's fewer things in life that are sad or more tragic than seeing a young person pass away before they can ever realize their life. A teenager passing to the next life. And Jesus is some two miles away. Verse 8 of John 11 tells us Bethany is about two miles away from him. He's staying. And so that was a considerable distance at the time. So he no doubt said a runner. A runner was sent from Bethany to Jesus. And he arrives at Jesus and he says, one of your best friends has died. Now more mysterious things unfold in the passage. It's quite mysterious because the Bible says Jesus yet after learning of this, stays where he's at two more days. That's a little confusing, a little bit puzzling, a little bit mysterious. It's kind of puzzling. He tells his disciples, he says at the beginning of chapter 11, he said, Lazarus is just sleeping. And so the disciples think, you know what, if, he needs a, if, he's, if he's sick, then that means he just needs a nap. So maybe after he naps, he'll wake up again. And Jesus said, no, like 
like he's sleeping like he's dead. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell us he's dead? And that doesn't really make sense to them either because he knows that this is the best friend, best friend of Jesus. And he's thinking, why in the world would you be staying here two more days in the midst of your friend who desperately needs you? So the disciples are no doubt confused. Why are we delaying? This is a bit of a mystery. So Jesus now, after two days, he's now been dead. That is Lazarus. Four days, Jesus makes a two-mile trek into the city of Bethany. That's where we're going to pick up our story, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, on his arrival, catch this, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Follow along with me on the screens. Now, Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem. And the Bible says, And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss or concerning their brother. Notice that. Verse 20 goes on. So when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him at the place there as he entered the city, the village. But Mary remained seated in the house, the scripture says. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have shown up, my Brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And and Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, right? She's speaking of the future resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus, in verse 26, asked the first of three considerable questions that we read in our text today. And that is my message, these questions. He says, do you believe this? That's what Jesus says to Martha. Do you believe this? Pretty amazing. Do you believe this? Now there's a scene change. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. She no doubt took that his message of the resurrection was only a future sweet by and by. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, who had stayed back in the house, saying in private, the teacher's here, Jesus is here, our best friend's here, he's calling for you out at the front of the village. Let's continue on. The Bible says, and when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Go on. The scripture says, and when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to go out to the tomb, the side of the cave in which her younger brother had been dead now for four days. That's where they supposed she went. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord... Notice the same context, same attitude, same demeanor that her older sister Martha had. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. He would have not passed. Now notice the interesting thing. They believe Jesus could have stopped the death, but they don't believe he can change the death. Scene change. Okay. So now we're going to the third scene. And the Bible says in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Bad translation. In fact, this is where we miss it in a lot of our translations. He was deeply angered. Highly angered. This is one of the most angry times Jesus in his, in his ministry. He was in his, angered in his spirit and greatly troubled. He experienced deep anger. Amazing, amazing emotion from Jesus here. And he said, where have you laid him? That's the second of three questions. Said to Martha, do you believe this? Said to Mary, where have you laid my friend? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. So Jesus wept. If you grew up in 
Christian school or Catholic school and the teacher ever asks you to memorize a verse, you memorize John eleven thirty five, 35. And it was really annoying to the teacher, but nonetheless, it's the shortest verse in all of Scripture. Jesus wept, right? They couldn't argue with it. Happy Easter. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? A little bit perplexed. They're, they're, they're a little bit confused. Then Jesus deeply moved again. Here's the same word. Pretty amazing scene. Deeply moved again. The Bible says he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, it's a really, you don't want to do that. That's really stinky. It's a bad odor. He's been dead for four days. You, you don't want to do that, Jesus. Please don't do that. So Jesus said to her, did I not tell you the third question? That if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes. Oh my God, here's some Easter scenery for you. You ready, Resurrection Sunday? Jesus standing in front of a city of unnerved onlookers. He's standing in front of an open grave in which the stone has been rolled away. And Jesus, the Son of God, looks up to heaven and he prays and says, Father, you've always heard me. And he's not praying so that the Father hears or for himself. He's praying so that the onlookers might believe. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Notice this. And I know that you always hear me. But I said this. I'm just praying kind of a little bit of a charade here. On account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Same word used when he cried out on the, on the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Cronzo. He cried out, Lazarus. Come out. Lazarus, come out. Now, the father and son are one, right? They're right. You, my favorite probably meme in all of the history of Christianity is where Jesus is praying in the garden. I think they have a picture of this. And he looks up at the father. He says, hey, dear father, it's me, you. <laughs> it's, you know, it's you, me. It's me, you. <laughs> because God the father is God without skin. God the son is God with skin on. And God the spirit is God Get under your skin. That's who God the Father, Son, and the Spirit are. And so he prays and he's saying, Okay, Father, I know that you've always heard me. And then amazing turn of events, I might add. Go to verse 42. The man, who had, or the man who had died came out, verse 42. I knew that you always heard me, he said, with a loud voice come out, verse 44. Catch this, this is so powerful. He says, the man who had come out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Amazing turn of events, I might add. If he came out wrapped like a mummy, he probably hopped like a bunny. <laughs> happy Easter, happy Easter. And so, if he's wrapped, he's gonna hop like a bunny. Jesus said to them, you gotta love Jesus right here. He looks at the rest of them, and he says, unbind him and let him go. Wow. I want to speak today on this Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to speak on the subject, resurrection is a person. Would you pray with me, Father, in these moments that we have? I pray, oh God, right now, Lord, that you would enable us, God, to, to allow the pages of your scripture to come alive in our hearing, God. That indeed, Lord, we would be transformed. I pray, oh God, that you would do what only you can do. We thank you that the resurrected king indeed is resurrecting lives today. 
resurrect the dead spaces in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, it's no accident and really no surprise to those who are regular DP attenders or your members here at Dwelling Place that my wife and I, we're pretty competitive people, especially when it comes to the sports world. We are very competitive people. Um, my wife, many, many years ago, true story, I've always been a competitive person. My parents tried to help me very early on in life. And my son, now the OCD one, who always has to be a perfectionist, has taken on those characteristics himself. But my wife, no joke, while I'm a youth pastor at a church in Gainesville, Georgia, we had a, a big Sunday uh, called Union of, of Flag Football Tournament. There were a couple hundred students there gathered at Flowery Branch High School, and my wife decides she's going to be the quarterback of one of the high school girls' teams. And some lady that was a nice sophomore in high school, probably 15 years of age, um, continuously over the next few downs would go up to my wife and would bump her with her shoulder rather than grabbing her flag. Now, in flag football, you can't flag guard, and you can't hit anyone. In fact, you have to do shadow blocking. And so my wife, no doubt, she's a little bit feisty and very emotional like I am, our house is really, really emotional quite a bit of the time. And, and she literally goes up to this young girl and she says, I'm asking you one more time, do not put your shoulder in me. This is a girl we pastored together. Do not put your shoulder into me one more time, all right? This girl proceeds on the next play to come barreling through the offensive line and she puts her shoulder into Meredith again. And so the next time Meredith drops her shoulder and she takes a, a little quarterback sneak and she runs headwind into this lady. This young 15-year-old puts her shoulder on the glasses of the 15-year-old and shatters her glasses. This is a 15-year-old girl in the middle of our student ministry, okay? I am summoned from the other flag football field to come over and talk to my wife. Now, she's not here to defend herself. Maybe she, she walked in. She'll be here in a moment. I have permission to use the story. But nonetheless, I come over there and I'm like, you know what? What has happened? And my wife finally says at that moment, she says, okay, never again am I playing any kind of sports with teenagers. I can't do it, right? We're just emotional people. It's, it's kind of competitive when we play trouble at home, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's, we're just emotional, emotional people. We are really not that well. You need to pray for us. The point being that we are emotionally unstable people, all right? These are your pastors. Now, what do we people that are emotionally unstable do? Here's what we do. We talk about how much we like passion, right? It's our way to kind of self-justify our emotion. So we're just like, we love passion. Passion's the testosterone of life. You know, we just, we talk about how much we love passion. I, I love the range of emotions in life. In fact, people say you don't want to go into pastoral ministry because you got to leave a funeral and you got to go to a wedding. And I've had to do that before. I've had to go from a funeral to a wedding, even to a hospital. There's a range of emotions in this thing called ministry. But I love it. I've always loved it. And if you are here on Easter, John chapter 11 is a story for you. Are you seeing the range of emotions here? This passage of Scripture is jam-packed. With the range of emotion. For instance, the opening scene, verse 17, look at the Bible says, Martha engages Jesus in this moment outside the town, and she's 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 grieving in a in a moment of pain, in a moment of despair, in a moment of loss. But watch this. She says, Wait a second, uh, I know you are God, and if you're God, you can change this right now. And 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 she goes from this moment of despair and loss to maybe this glimmer of hope, maybe this glimmer of desire, like, no, you're God, and if you're here, then then I know you can resurrect my brother, and then and then all of a sudden Jesus. Jesus says, yes, he will rise again. And she no doubt takes that to be a future resurrection. And so catch this. She's like, oh, that's right. So she goes from this despair and loss to this moment of glimmer of hope. Maybe, maybe you can do something. Maybe he can live again. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, Jesus. Yeah, he, he will. He will live again. 
in the future. He will, he will live again. He will be resurrected in the future. To, to no faith and expectation. But Jesus then said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. She no doubt took that to be a, 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 a moment of heaven or a, a passage of heaven, which it was because Jesus then goes on and says, even though a person dies, they shall live again. In other words, they shall go into eternity. And then he says to Martha, do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord, yes, I, I believe. Now, what is Martha saying, yes, she believes in? She's saying, yes, I believe that in eternity, oh God, I'll be with you. That in eternity, I'll spend with you because I believe in you. But I believe by reading this passage that Martha is still struggling with the idea that her brother was not cared for. Her brother was not attended to. He was not cared for. And now he's dead. She's frustrated. Furthermore, can I just stop and say this Easter morning for those of us who kind of know what Easter is and for many years of our life we know what Easter means so we come to church on Easter and it's the day we attend the church and we dress up and it kind of eases our spiritual subconscious and the pastor comes out and we already know what's going to happen. He's going to have some type of pastel color on and he's going to come up and the band's going to be dancing and, and there's going to be someone get up and say oh he is risen. You know he is risen indeed and, and he says he's risen but the truth of the matter is you don't feel like anything's resurrected in your life. The truth of the matter is you don't feel like anything's coming up from the surface in your life. You're distraught. You're discouraged. You feel like nothing has life in your situation. You're facing divorce. Your kids won't talk to you. Your grandkids won't call you. Nobody will interact with you. You're going through a nasty divorce. The reality of it is oftentimes we come into an environment like this and yet we're facing difficult things and we're like, it's cute. It's nice. It's Easter. It's what we do. It's the structure. It's Resurrection Sunday. I got to do it. I got to get up. My parents taught me to do this. I got to put on some clothes. I got to come to church and, and it's nice, but it actually doesn't make a difference in my Monday. It certainly won't matter by tomorrow at noon. It doesn't make a difference in my Friday or my Saturday. It's what we do. It's necessary. I punched my ticket, went to Easter, went to a gathering. You know what? See you next year. Awesome. Nice tie. Cool. Cool pants. Chocolate bunny. Awesome. Cute. Awesome. But real life, Easter doesn't change any of that. Easter just secures my eternal destination. Easter's just about the future resurrection. If you're Mary and Martha, let me tell you something. Pastels aren't going to cut it. And they're not looking for an Easter egg hunt on Saturday morning. For Mary and Martha, chocolate bunnies are not going to work. Their brother's dead. He's gone. He's passed. If you're Mary and Martha, you're discouraged. Young. Whole life in front of him and he's gone. Furthermore, to compound the pain, they know a man that they could believe in, could have raised him from the dead or kept him from dying, but yet he chose not to come. So for them, the message of the resurrection is Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. And Martha says, oh yeah, I know, I, I know. Someday, I, I get it, I'll calm down. I, I thought for a split second, Jesus, you could do something today. But I understand, you'll do it in the future. I got it, I cool, maybe, maybe that's right. One day, we'll be whisked away in the sweet by and by. That's right, yep, we're going to go and worship on the clouds and wear Huggies diapers and, and we're going to have an awesome time. One day, sing the, sing the hymn again, sing the hymn again. Someday, someday we'll do it. But today, Mm. resurrection that's right my brother's still dead Jesus he's still in the grave thanks Jesus for the fresh perspective though we appreciate it Savior that's where a lot of people leave Easter in fact that's where I left Easter from was 16 years of my life 
What do you love about Easter, America? Oh, it secures my eternal destination with God. Well, what are you doing tomorrow? Bob, back grinding in the shop. Working. Doing hard work, man. Handling business, doing a project. How's it going? A little bit discouraged, to be honest with you. How's the family? Oh, I'm going through a tough time. How was Easter? It was awesome, man. It was amazing. Gave up some chocolate bunnies, pastels, Easter eggs. And it was... It's probably how Mary and Martha felt. Doesn't really bear witness on my Monday. The scene changes, and now Jesus speaks with the younger sister, Mary. And what's so amazing about this passage is we know their personalities by how they interact with Jesus. Right? Like, Martha's the older concrete, pay the bills, clean the house. She's the doer of the family, right? She's always in the kitchen making the stuff. Mary is kind of like the emotionally unstable artist. You know, she's like the happy, clampy, like, spends time downtown at the green, you know, at Woodstock all the time. You know, that's, that's Mary, right? I mean, Mary is just the happy, clappy, emotionally unstable. I like Mary, you know. Um, I'm a passionate person like Mary. You can't have favorites, though, you know. And so, Mary has the same argument as Martha. Mary comes running out to Jesus, and she falls at his feet. She still loves him. She still honors him, but she says the same thing. If you would have been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. Yeah, I still believe you're a God, but boy, you hurt me, Jesus. This is what I talk to a lot in pastoral counseling. Boy, you really did hurt me, Lord. You weren't there for me. And the Bible goes on to say Jesus experienced deep anger. Deep anger. He was moved in his spirit with deep anger. You want the range of emotion, church? Now our Messiah goes from, he was God in the flesh, Jesus. He is, he's now angry as he sees the mourners wailing and Mary weeping. Can me ask you a question? Why is Jesus angry, church? Why is he angry? Can I tell you why he's angry? Because the human being, did you know this, was never created to die. Did you know this? Human beings were never created to die. Did you know that? Adam and Eve were put in the garden, the utopian society, to never die. We are not wired, did you know that, church? To experience death. That's why we don't like funerals. We're not wired to process what it means to have loved ones go. We're not wired to do that. That's not in God's plan. That's not in His desire. It's not that we should experience even this death. But because of our sin and our error in our own free will, death has entered the equation. And the man, the God-man who is life personified is experiencing righteous holy indignation and anger as he watched the apex of his creation the pinnacle of his creation being subject to the forces they were never supposed to be subject to he is not happy Jesus is deeply troubled in the creation account he said it is good it is good it is good it is right it is well it is perfect but now Jesus is angry because it's not good it's not right it's not well God is not for death can I make that clear today that's why death is the last enemy God is not for death death was a result of our free will error and decision Jesus is angry because this is not what God designed wow Talk about the range of emotion. And then he says to Mary, he says, uh, where did you lay him? Second question, by the way. First one, do you believe this? Second question is, where did you lay him? Take me to the grave. So they took him to the grave. What was no doubt an ordinary grave. It was dug out. It was a cave, actually. It was dug out in the side of a hill. And in the side of that hill was a rock rolled in front of it. And Jesus stands in front of this average grave, just this average, ordinary grave. And what does he do? The Bible says in verse 35, he starts wailing. Folks, that word wept is not he dabbed his cheeks with Kleenex. That is, he 
he almost torturously begins to bawl his eyes out. Jesus begins wailing. If you like emotion, folks, this is your jam, dude. Like, John 11 is your passage. He is crying his eyes out. This emotion coming from Jesus. He wailed with the wellers. Jesus is angry. Now he's welling. If you like emotion, Jesus stands in front of a tomb. Let me ask you a question. Why is Jesus welling in front of a tomb that he knows is about to be empty? Why is he welling in front of a tomb that he knows he's about to transform? Why? I don't know, but this Easter morning, do you have some pain in your life? Do you have some pain from your past failures? If you're new to this Christianity thing, we as Christians are famous around the world for helping people when they're in pain in sometimes unhealthy ways. Like you ever done this before? You ever ran into a Christian like this? You're in deep pain. You've lost a dad. You lost a mom. You lost a situation. Got a bad diagnosis. And you go up to a Christian and, and they're like, you know what? You're a believer. And people tell us, they're like, have faith, man. Why don't you have faith? Suck it up. There's a common, there's a good God, you know. Come on, relax. Why don't you, you'll see him in heaven one day. Why in the world are you weeping? Why are you, why are you grieving like that? Come on, brother. Why don't you speak the word? Speak it out. Come on, sing, dance. Speak the word in faith. Come on, to, apply the blood to it, you know. You ever meet Christians like that? You lost, you lost someone? And they come to him and are like trying to comfort you. And you love the token. You appreciate the token. But like you'll see him in heaven. You're like, guess what? I'm not in heaven. And it hurts like hell right now. And I'm grieving. See, in our present pain, we miss people even that are close to us in time and space. Do we not? And what Jesus is saying here is the end result does not change the present pain. The end result does not negate or eradicate present pain. I want you to think about this morning, if you are experiencing pain, the man who calls himself resurrection. Let me, let me tell you, resurrection is not an event. It's not an event that will happen in the future. Resurrection is a person. His name is Jesus. He is walking, talking resurrection in life. Nothing about him is death. He is pure life. And he asked the question to Mary. He said, take me to the place where he, lives, where he lies. Show me where he's at. She says, the place where, where he lays is dead. And he says, show me. And he gets there and he doesn't say, hey, everyone stop crying. I'm going to fix this real quick. You doubters. He stops and he weeps. Sometimes we think if Jesus was here today, he would tell us to suck it up, buddy. Suck it up. You had a miscarriage, so did the rest of America. Move on. You lost the spouse? Come on, suck it up and have some faith. Keep those tears back. You lost your dad? He was 85 years old. Come on, have faith. Lots of people view Jesus that way. Quit being a doubter. Quit grieving. Quit having pain. You need to have more faith. Well, that's not Jesus. You might have met some Jesus followers like that, but that's not our Jesus. He says, take me to the dead spaces in your life. I want to stand right there and I want to cry with you. Take me to wherever's dead. Where, where is it? Let me cry with you a little bit. Can I well with you? Can I identify with solidarity with what you've lost? Who is this God, church? 
Who is a God who can, who can cry with you about your father who's dead, yet be with your father in eternity at the same time? Who is a God who can enter into your space and time on your Monday when you get fired and stand next to you and comfort you and console you and give you comfort and, and encouragement and consolation? Who is this God who is enabled, enabled in his spirit and resurrection to come alongside you and strengthen you? He says, where have you laid the dead man? Where is he? God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I can't go there. I want to go there. But God, you can't go there. That's too much pain. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me, dwelling place. You take me by the hand right now, and you take me to that dead place. We're going there, and today we're going to get it healed. It's too ugly. See, I love Jesus because the resurrection doesn't mean skimming over or belittling people's pain. The resurrection means identifying in solidarity with people's pain. Weeping in people's pain. I'm not here to say Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of bed, suck it up, have some faith. That's not the tone and emotion of our Savior. He has life and resurrection because he can go to the dead places of your life and have empathy right where you are weeping. I got a question for you, church. Where are the dead places in your life? You don't have to avoid them. Not with Jesus. He will meet you right in the dead place and he will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother and he will weep with those who weep. I don't know about you, but when I read Jesus' passages like this in Scripture, I start evaluating how much my life needs to change. How much I need to be transformed because this part of Jesus often goes totally mistaught. It It goes unteached, untaught. We forget the beauty of living a life that weeps with those who weep and grieves with those who grieve. It's not time to tell you that that. Heaven will fix everything because right now you're not in heaven. And it hurts. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I'm here. And before I fix this dwelling place, before I touch this situation, I just want to be here with you. Because even though I'm going to fix this, it doesn't negate or eradicate the pain you're experiencing. Who is this Jesus who says it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, Lord, it does. I know, I know, I know. I'm so sorry you're hurting. Can I, can I cry with you a little bit? Who is this Jesus? What would it have been like to watch him wail that day? <gasps> what was Mary and Martha thinking? Like, what is he doing? What is he doing? My friend's dead. My brother's dead. Scene changes. The Jews start to grumble. They're getting a little ticked. They're like, why is he not doing anything? And the Bible says the scene changes. Jesus deeply moved again. Look what the scripture says. Deeply moved again. That means he's angered again. He's feeling deep and profound anger for what sin has done to humanity. Humanity is the apex of his creation. The pinnacle of his creation. He's mad that man's experiencing death or subject to death. He's deeply angered. He says to Martha, he says, take away the stone. Now things are about to get crazy. This is a good part of the story, right? He wipes, and the Bible says he wipes his tears. He gets them off, and he he says, take the stone away. Now, I love Martha. Can't we all relate to Martha? In a time of life and death, what's she thinking about? Yankee candles. You know, she's thinking of scents. Like, in a time of life and death, she's thinking about smells. Like, if she could have brought a candle to the grave, she would have. Like, she would have had wet towelettes. If you touch the gravestone, everybody use the wet towelettes. We wet towelettes, wet towelette, wet towelette. I mean, this is what Martha is saying. Great teacher, please don't do that. There 
there'll be a stench. He's been dead for four days. He, which is a significant Jewish number, by the way. Did you know it was? The four days? Because they thought there could be a resurrection within three days. No doubt the Torah taught them that. But now it's been four days. In Jewish culture, when it's been four days, the body is entombed. The thing is sealed. It's closed off. I wonder if Jesus waited till the fourth day on purpose. Because when it's over, it ain't over with Jesus. And when it's done, it ain't done with Jesus. In other words, the empty tomb of Jesus is a reminder that when everyone else thinks it's over, God's just getting started. When everybody else thinks, man, it's done, it's enclosed, it's tomb, God says, I am just beginning my work. He waited to the fourth day. Fourth day. And he arrives upon the scene, our Jesus does. And he learned that, man, he's been dead. Martha says, please don't do that. Please don't make it worse. So Jesus asked the third question in verse 40. So did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He's now at the tomb. Remember I told you, Martha, what's he referencing to? No doubt he's referencing to verse 25 when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you die, you will live again. Did I not tell you? Isn't isn't this so interesting, by the way? This is what we do as human beings. It's so like you and me that when Jesus tells us, hey, there's going to be heaven and all will be okay, we're, we're, we're so quick to go, okay, you know what? I believe in heaven. Heaven will be amazing. Heaven will be amazing. But then all of a sudden what happens, like King's life, Jesus enters your average ordinary afternoon and he wants to deal with the most painful part of your life. He wants to deal with the most difficult situation. He wants to uncover it. He wants to address it. He wants to speak to it. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, Jesus, I believe in the the resurrection in the future, but this whole present reality thing, I don't know about that. And Jesus says, wait a minute, church. Wait, the same faith that you used to exercise to believe that you will be with me in eternity is the same faith I need you to exercise to believe that I can move right now. That I can move right now. See, it's hard to trust a message about life after death if it doesn't offer more life before death. If it doesn't offer more life right now. Take me to heaven, Jesus, but don't roll the stone away today. That's what, that's what people say on Easter Sunday. It'll be embarrassing because what if you don't work a miracle, God? What if my baby dies? What if, what if I pray and my baby doesn't get healed? What if my dad dies? Take me to heaven one day, but don't take the stone away today, Jesus. I'm comfortable with the future. I'm all good with that evangelical reality and that gospel I've heard most of my life that in the future, in the sweet by and by, that Jesus will resurrect me. And and but suddenly now, my faith is trying to get real because you're showing up on my work day. You're showing up at my painful spot. You're showing up at the middle of my tomb. All of a sudden, things are getting a little bit too real, Jesus. And i got to be honest with you, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. So what I'd rather do, Jesus, is is keep the tomb on the dead spaces of my life, if you don't mind. Because I don't want to be any more embarrassed than I already am. Because I believed you once, and you weren't there. You remember like four days ago? You remember that, Jesus? Yeah. Four days ago, I believed, and you weren't here. Oh, I used to sing these songs, Craig. This is the first time I've been to church in many years. But I used to sing these songs. I used to come into places like this and lift my hands. But, but, But then I found out God would delay then I found out God wouldn't show up when I needed him. And so, so you know what? I'm just going to, I'm good with the future. I'm good with that resurrection stuff then. But, but, but don't roll the stone. Don't roll the stone away today. 
don't deal with the difficult part today. I told people that I believed you could heal my dad back then, but, but now my dad's dead. I used to sing those songs about a miracle working God. I used to do all that stuff, but now my marriage ended in divorce. But now I went bankrupt. So, so where were you, Jesus? I'll take heaven one day, but don't try to take the stones away today. Jesus says, take the stone away. Take the stone away. Please don't do that. Please. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And this is my kind of lady. Martha has no response. She's totally flabbergasted. She's like, I'm confused. I have no idea what's going on. My head's spinning. She's like, no response. She didn't say anything. This is just going to get worse. I'm exhausted, Jesus. They roll the stone away. Look at verse 41. I mean, come on, church. Look at this Easter image on Easter Sunday. A crowd of unnerved onlookers. He stands in front of a a, a grave, an exposed grave with a dead body inside who happens to be one of his best friends. And Jesus, our Savior, stands on either. Think about this imagery. He stands with the stone rolled away and everybody who is hurting around him. And he stands there and he says, you know what? I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. I know you always do. And I'm really not praying this for, for you and I, but... But, but there's a bunch of people around me right now, Father, that are really, really afraid and really, really hurting right now. And, and so I'm going to pray this for them. And then he looks at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come on out now. Come, come on. And everyone's standing there. Folks, this is not a story in Sunday school on a felt board. This actually happened. A man who was dead for four days walked out of a grave when Jesus had come out. Because when dead things hear the voice of Jesus, they come alive. Every time Jesus meets death, death dies. Every time our Savior appears in death, in the Gospels, death dies. Death succumbs to the man who is resurrection and life. And he looks and says, come on out, buddy. Come on out. And the Bible says, no doubt, he walks out. And this, you got to love Jesus. You want to talk about how cool he is? He's like, somebody unwrap him. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, let's, let's unwrap him. And so somebody starts unwrapping him. And they begin to, they begin, and, and I love Jesus because was there laughter at this moment? Like when they were unwrapping him, was Lazarus like, ha, 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 woo! I mean, what was happening, right? I mean, were everybody on their knees? Were they weeping? Like, what was taking place? Furthermore, if you stop for a minute and you think, how did Mary and Martha live the rest of their life? Like, how did Lazarus live the rest of his life? Like, what was coffee with Lazarus like? You know? Like, three months later, it's like, hey, you want to go have coffee? And Lazarus like, yeah. It's like, it's been a while. And he's like, yeah, I was gone for four days, you know? And he's like, well... Where you want to meet? Yeah, we'll meet at Starbucks and Bethany. So they meet at Starbucks and Bethany, and they're like, Lazarus asks, he's like, how's your job, man? Oh, it's tough, dude. I lost my job this week. I don't even know what I'm going to do next year. It's like, oh, it's okay. It's no problem. Well, it's a problem to me. Yeah, but man, I'm so sorry you lost a job, but God loves you. But man, I was dead four days. records something, I promise I'm finished, something very meaningful. He records these linen wraps. They're wrapped around. They seem so irrelevant, but they're not. Because Lazarus comes out wrapped up, but did you know when Jesus came out of his tomb, guess what? He wasn't. 
he wasn't wrapped up. In fact, John 20 verse 7 says, because this is the same writer, John 20 verse 7, he wants to go out of his way to tell you that the, the, loss, the cloths that had been on Jesus' head were not lined with linen cloths, but folded up in a place by himself. You know why? Because resurrection didn't happen to Jesus. Resurrection came through Jesus. That is to say that God, Jesus didn't get resurrected. Jesus is resurrection. When we come out of dead spaces, we need Jesus to unwrap us. But when Jesus comes out of dead spaces, he ain't nobody, nobody's help to come up out of the grave. He just comes out of the grave. And the Bible says Jesus is now resurrected and glorified. And the scripture says, you know what? He comes forth in power. Can I provoke you this Easter Sunday, church? Have you stopped believing? Oh, no, I believe, Craig. No, I know you believe in heaven. I know one day, and yes, buddy, yes, if you prayed the prayer, yes, if you believe Jesus in your heart, I know one day you'll make it to heaven. I know those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking that you, do you really believe in the Jesus who takes away stones today? Are you really believing in the Jesus who takes the dead spaces of your life and resurrects them upon his word? Have you stopped believing in a God who wants to interrupt your afternoon and alter your schedule and change your life? Have you forgotten that there is a Jesus who can change your job situation? There is a Jesus who can alter your circumstances, who can take a dark past, someone bound in sin and give you the hope for a bright tomorrow? Or are we all just going to conclude that this is going to be what it is? Someday it's all been played out in the sweet by and by we'll meet Jesus. I'm just glad I'll go to heaven someday. Well, someday is not today. Today is today. Is there a Jesus church who can walk into your today and bring life where there's death? Is there a Jesus who can walk into your marriage and bring life where there is death? Is it too late for your marriage? Is it too late for your career? Is it too late for your dreams? Is it too late for your future? Or do you worship and do you sing and do you keep your mind on and do you pray to a God who has named himself resurrection he said I'm the resurrection and I am the life when I show up dead things live he specializes in taking dead things and bringing them to life this is our Jesus have you forgot church that if you've lost a loved one that in that space of despair God can bring life don't you dare leave here today with stones over the dead places in your life because you say what if it doesn't work out Craig What if it doesn't work out? Well, what's the alternative, church? Play it safe? Keep the tombs closed? It is what it is. I always have this addiction. If I hear that one more time in counseling. It is what it is. I know when I go to heaven, I'll get free. But for now, I'll just keep on looking at pornography. My dad is an alcoholic. I'll have to ultimately keep on drinking alcohol. I mean, it's a struggle, but I just... It is what it is. Can I pray for you, man? I don't want prayer, dude. I don't want prayer. I've done all that. Jesus didn't set me free. I've done all that. Can, can I just think logically for a minute? Why not on Easter Sunday move the stone away? Because you're going to experience despair, lost, and, and grieving regardless. So you might as well do it while you're walking on water. You might as well trust the God who says he calls you on the water. You might as well just go ahead and roll the stone away. I pray that we go there this morning. I pray that every person in the room, that this is your prayer right now. Come on, Jesus. Roll the stones away in my life. Come on, Jesus. Come and roll away every stone, Lord. Let life touch the dead places. Who is this Jesus who can change our eternity, who can meet us in our past and 
all of our pain and who can completely transform our today. He's in all three dimensions. Who is this Jesus? Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.